main activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. Welcome back, everyone, to our final episode of Season 2 of the Eerie Americas. This is Vicki Ayala. And I'm Christy Hall. What's up, y'all? It's been a long year, guys. A long, long year. But if you're listening, that means you've survived. So congratulations. You've survived yeah. the apocalypse, a.k.a. the pandemic, or at least the start of it. Hopefully, we're, in mean, the, we're at least in the middle, right? At least? I know some people especially now, like as the year is coming to a close, are talking about accomplishments and things that they've managed to do. And I know it would be really, really easy to be like, oh my God, I didn't do anything all year. Surviving the year was enough. Nobody, you did not have to find a new hustle, a new hobby, a new money-making Etsy page, anything. You didn't have to do any of that. You just simply had to get through it. I think that everybody needs to give themselves a bit of a pat on the back for getting through this year. Yes. And we know how hard... It was to listen to a podcast because I know I had issues listening to podcasts from home. So we really, really appreciate the people who have been listening this whole time. Yeah, definitely. We've moved forward this year thanks to listeners like you guys that kept tuning in. Yeah, the same people kept listening every week. That's why we extended our season. And while we're going to try to start back up a little bit earlier this year, we're trying to get back up by Valentine's Day. Plus, this is also our little escape from reality. Absolutely. And we also want to thank everybody this year from the grocery stores to the doctors to the nurses. I mean, we saw acts of heroism that are going to be told you can be able to tell your grandkids about thank yous are not enough. Like I wish there was more to say other than thank you, but I don't know what I would have done like not being able to go get COVID tested for my own sanity or being able to go into a grocery store and see some humans once in a while and for people that just asked me how my day was going and to have that little ounce of humanity was nice. So I just want to say thanks to that too. Thank you to everyone. There Thank was you. a lot of ugly this year, but I think I'm going to focus on what wasn't. And as you guys know, I've had an extremely, extremely difficult year. And so for me, I have a lot of thank yous, of course, to like doctors, nurses, anybody who's an Instacart shopper, you guys are the real MVPs because I stopped going to the <laughs> yeah. grocery store in March when my husband got COVID and just in general. I want to thank personally my doctors because as a person with an autoimmune disease, they have still managed to find a way to keep my doctor's appointments safe because it is very important for people with autoimmune diseases to go to the doctor frequently. So I do appreciate doctor's offices staying open, keeping us safe. But I do want to thank the people who have made sure that I did not lose my shit this year. It would have been very, very easy for that to happen. I'm not saying I'm great. I'm not saying I'm completely okay. I'm definitely not as bad as I could have been. It's to the listeners, to Christy, to all my friends, to people who were unexpected, people who asked me if I was okay or just said hi or just talked about anything, nonsense, stupidness, anything. Even if you think that you weren't doing anything, you did a whole lot more than you know. There's a lot of text messages from Christy asking me if I want to see something stupid. <laughs> She's Christy's text messages got me through a lot. All these people that think like sending me stupid little articles and stupid little things to look at is not as stupid as you think. So thanks for keeping me laughing, guys. It's been very, very eye-opening this year. I think that's a conversation Christy and I were having right before we got on here. This year has been incredibly eye-opening. Eye-opening would in an amazing be the perfect way. word for 2020. Yeah, it's it's in a good way, of course. I don't really celebrate New Year's too, New Year's Eve yeah, too much and New Year's Day. It. I've always been like eh about it. This year though, fuck 2020. 
Seriously. I'm saying goodbye. You just need to go away. Yeah. I just will be happy for it not to be 2020. And just to honor that, I have surprised Christy today by popping on here with bright orange hair. Yeah, looks great too. <laughs> that I cut five inches off because that's what I do when I and want to. And to give you guys different. an idea of what the color is, if you're kind of familiar with Paramore, Haley Williams, her original orange hair, she looks like that. Or if you're older than that, you might remember Vitamin C, a.k.a. the graduation song, which I know became popular again as well. Google it. It's kind of where she's at. It looks awesome. So, And it's it's bright. And it, it's like I said to her, she usually wears black. It's a, it's a pop of color. I think represents what we're going to get into. We're going to get into a new pop of color during a very drab beginning of the Roaring Twenties. Funny, I saw a meme the other day. I said, I want to I want to up my game up for 2021 and how I dress. And I'm like, now I get it in the 20s. They were just so freaking happy to walk down the block. Oh, yeah, they the were block. saying that that's why everybody went out everywhere and Prohibition was so big because you just wanted to fucking get it. That's going to be me when this is over for like a week. And then I'm going to go back to quarantining. <laughs> I'm going to look like I'm ready for a Grammy luncheon every day for like the first month of January. And then after that, I'll probably go back to normal. But I'll just be so happy and celebrate being out of 2020. I have been torn between like, do I like continue to wear sweatpants and pajamas on New Year's Eve? Or do I get dressed up? And I actually think I'm going to get dressed up to sit in my house. Because yeah. like, I miss my clothes. I miss putting on makeup. I miss doing my hair. And I know that that's going to be very short-lived. But I think I'm going to dress up yeah. a little bit. I think everyone should dress up at home this everybody year. Everybody should dress up and get drunk in their home and say goodbye to 2020. And I think everybody should do this if they are able. We all deserve to get a little dolled up. I've had uh, nine months of wearing makeup twice, <laughs> like my wedding. Hey, if Dolly Parton gets up every day and wakes up and falls asleep with her makeup on, I think we can do it for New Year's Eve. That's we all I'm all saying. We could all be a little more like Dolly Parton. Always. She dresses up every day. Let's do it for New Year's. Let's do it, people. You know, if you want to stay in your pajamas, that's cool, too, because I guarantee you that that's, like I said, going to be short-lived. I'll probably have makeup on in my pajamas, and that'll be my little compromise. Or just put on a pair of pumps with your sweats. I mean, I've seen celebrities put on heels with sweatpants, and I always thought it was super stupid, but that might just be, that might be the vibe this year. Heels with sweatpants. It's we the got this, guys. <laughs> I'm going to jump into a Reddit, as usual. I thought I would creep you guys out one last time. So this is from the creepy encounters section. I love the username. The user's name is pear, like the fruit, uh, normal. It, this was 93 days ago. So really not that long ago. And it's titled the old man at the door. Mm-mm. Already. That's already Mm-mm. a no. Nope. Over the past few years living in this house, many strange things have happened. Mostly noises, loud banging or knocks at the windows, the manhole cover in the ceiling being opened constantly, even when there had been no storms, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. I would move. I'm a bit antisocial and I don't necessarily answer the door if I'm not expecting anyone. We never have unexpected visitors and our neighbor has our mobile numbers. So a knock at the door is usually always a door to door something or other salesperson, religious nut, something like that. One day I heard a knock at the door in the morning. I was working and my kids were still asleep. I peeked out the window and there was an old man there and he was standing awkwardly in the entranceway. I decided he didn't look like a psychopath, nor did he seem like he was going to give me a Jesus pamphlet. So I decided to answer the door and see what he wanted. He apologized to me for knocking because he had just noticed my kids asleep in their room through the side window. Then he asked me if he could pick some of the fruit from the vines in our front yard. I thought it was a super weird request but didn't really care so I said sure thing. I went into the room to check on the kids instinctively and when I came back out of the room he was gone. I never noticed a car. Not a big deal I know but before this happened another day when I checked on my kids also early in the morning. I had just woken up and again was the only person awake. 
I peeked out the window from my kid's room and through the window I saw a tall, lanky, very old man at our door. I genuinely have no idea if it's the same old man because I have pretty bad face blindness and this was months earlier. I held my breath and watched him through the window. He didn't knock, nor did he seem like he was planning to knock. He instead was sort of taking sidesteps and looking at our flower bed, which was full of weeds. He barely looked towards the front door at all and just kind of calmly walked around in a very small area, nowhere near our fruit vine, by the way, just near the front door. Because he hadn't knocked, I was super confused. I watched him for a few minutes before I decided to confront him and asked, what the fuck? My kid's room is right next to the front door. It's maybe two meters from it, which is about seven feet. I walked the three or so steps from my kid's door to my front door and swung it open. No one was there. We have a bay type window showing the side of the house and the backyard. So I can instantly see if he was in the backyard or on the side of the house. And he's an older man. It's not like he can rush so quickly. Right. Where she couldn't see him. Exactly. I walked out the front, down the short path, onto my driveway, and then onto the road, constantly looking back to make sure no one snuck in the front door. No cars were driving. No neighbors had anyone at the door. I even checked the other side of the house. The dude had literally vanished into thin air. No idea what that was about, and maybe this isn't the right sub, but I thought I would share my story. Yeah, I would say that that's a creepy encounter, so I think you're in the right subreddit. Also, I would move. It's so weird, too, because it's not clear what he wants. Right. And you're telling me, like, it's probably the same person, but it's like, so he did all this, and then months later knocked on the door and asked to pick fruit from your vine? Like, that's just fucking... Either encounter is weird enough on its own, and then them together... I don't know. Face blindness or not, I probably wouldn't answer that fucking door the second time. Honestly, neither would I. I think I can speak for not just the Americas, but the entire world when I say goodbye, good riddance, and go to hell 2020. Absolutely. Fucking lutely. Not that I am especially superstitious about a new year suddenly changing every horrible event or trauma that could occur, but I have to agree that I am beyond excited to just get into this decade in a more positive and uplifting light. Yeah, normally I'm the first one to be like, all right, it doesn't change from December 31st to January 1st, but I think just the mere fact that it's not going to be 2020 anymore is just going to make us feel better. It's just going to make us feel better. Definitely. A lot of things may not change, but I something's got to give. And I'm just more than anyone. I just want to say goodbye to this fucking year. I just yeah. need to say goodbye. And though we associate New Year's Eve as a night to say goodbye to the old year, bringing in the new, usually with drinks, music and the ones we love. New Year's actually didn't even begin that way. In fact, according to History.com, the earliest recorded festivities in honor of a New Year's arrival dates back some 4000 years to ancient Babylon. For the Babylonians, the new moon following the vernal equinox, the late day in March with an equal amount of sunlight and darkness, heralded the start of the new year. The year marked the occasion with a massive religious festival called Aktu that involved a different ritual on each of its 11 days. Aktu also celebrated the mythical victory of the Babylonian sky god Marduk over the sea goddess Tiamat and served an important political purpose. It was during this time that a new king was crowned or that the current ruler's divine mandate was symbolically renewed. So even though our traditions have changed, it's funny how it kind of does parallel because the new year this year is going to be a different change politically for us as well. It's going to be a change in how we feel. It's going to be a change for us in terms of, it's true, in winter, like December 21st or something like that we get more light. Like, things do change. It's yeah, funny they're how saying it kind like, of does parallel. Yeah, by the end of December, there's some days where the, the sun comes down a little bit later, so it's actually really does, things do start to change. 
And in more modern times, some people have had a hard time transitioning from end to beginning with some rather creepy, scary, and darkly humorous occurrences on New Year's Eve. Here are a few that I found that may make you say, okay, sitting at home watching The Twilight Zone may not be so bad after all this. I actually love watching The Twilight Zone. on this. Yeah. My mom used to either watch The Twilight Zone or The Honeymooners Marathon, and I kind of always made fun of her, but I'm just like, you know what? It sounds like, that sounds like the move this year. I'm just going to, but I just add a lot of alcohol there. My mom didn't really drink. Oh, yeah. I'm going to drink like 12 drinks, and I'll make a wish for every drink while watching the marathon. Amen, sister. So there are some people that love spending their final day of the year out of their home. I have known a few people that love heading to fancy hotels to ring in the new year. And if you have been one of the fortunate people who enjoy this practice and spent time in Chicago, in Illinois, you may have heard of a, the permanent guests who are always around at the Drake Hotel. <laughs> I found this on hauntedjourneys.com. So the Drake Hotel opened on New Year's Eve 1920. Through the Roaring Twenties, the Drake was the city's first choice in opulence. The popularity of the hotel continued to rise well into the 1930s, unaffected by the stock market crash of 1929. So this place wow. was so popular that it didn't even matter about the stock market. People still showed up to this hotel. Bing Crosby, Walt Disney, George Gershwin, and Charles Lindbergh frequented the Gold Coast Room. 20 years later, Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio would carve their iconic initials into the bar's wooden counter. So this is like the creme de la creme right? came to this hotel. In the 1940s, it became a local hangout for reporters, politicians, and even some notorious characters. Hilton International acquired the Drake Hotel in 1980 and restored it to its former glory. So now it's under Hilton, but you could still look it up as the Drake Hotel. Okay. According to legend, a woman in a dress attended the New Year's Eve 1920 celebration. So like the day the hotel opened. She discovered her fiancé in the throes with another woman. She took the elevator to either the 10th floor or the roof and jumped to her death. Still today, guests have reported seeing the woman in red wandering the Gold Coast Room, the Palm Court, and the 10th floor. In 1924, a person named Bobby Franks was kidnapped and murdered by his very own cousin, Richard Leob, and his accomplice, Nathan uh, Leopold. The two said they did it for the thrill of it. Well, that, that sounds like something you do for a thrill. After the trial was over, Bobby's parents sold their mansion and moved into the Drake to avoid publicity and gawkers. So, like... The parents were so distraught that they just hide away in this. I mean, they have room. to because you're being, you're known as the people who raised someone that thought it was thrilling to kill their cousin. The it was the victims. Oh, the victims. Uh, oh, yeah, that's even worse. Yeah, yeah, it was the victims. Because then parents. You, that so, follows you. Also, you never get relief from it. That's all people are going to talk about. Like, well, your nephew killed your own son. You know, they, like, like you're trying to grieve it. And then you go through a whole trial where you have to listen to all of the details and then people just don't leave you alone. So I kind of understand wanting to just run away and stay somewhere else. Yep. The father of Bobby, Jacob M. Franks, died of a heart attack in his suite in 1928, four years exactly after his son was beaten to death. The mother, Flora, died in the hotel nine years later. Both have been seen wandering the hotel mourning their late son. So now you've got the woman in red and the family. Mm -hmm. In January 44, Adele Bourne Williams, socialite and wife of the State Department employee, returned to her eighth floor suite with her daughter when a, quote, middle-aged, gray-haired woman wearing a black Parisian lamb coat stepped out of the bathroom and began shooting at them both. Adele died the next day. Several witnesses saw the woman in black flee the scene, but police never solved the case, and it is said Adele is still seen at the Drake to this day. I'm just counting the the ghosts. You got the woman in red, the mother and the father, and now Adele. Okay. Yep. 
so if you go to the Drake Hotel, and especially seems like New Year's, it seems to heighten up right. from what everyone says. It's like what is it's like their version of Halloween or something. Like if New Year's brings it out. Guess so. The next case, this year is going to be essential for cell phone services to stay in touch with those you are normally with when the ball drops. But sometimes you get that happy New Year's text from that unsaved number and you're unsure how to reply. You know, when sometimes you get those and you're like, do I know this person? Should I respond like nicer or should I just give a very blanket one? Like, how do you do this? You know, but what if the texts keep coming each time a little more specific about where you are, what you're doing, and most importantly, wondering what the hell they want. I found this on uh, Reddit and then No Sleep. It's posted by UJA. And this was his experience of New Year's Eve 2011. So it's New Year's Eve 2011, my eerie start to 2012. I didn't have much planned on New Year's Eve. My friend Aaron was having a party, so he invited me and two others to join in. Me, Aaron, Matt, and Anthony are chilling in his basement. Even if you're under 21 or right at 21, sometimes that's just like a funner option. You know, I get it. At around 9.30, Aaron gets a text from a number he doesn't recognize, so like the host of the basement party. It says, yo, I'm outside. So he goes outside to check and finds that no one's there. He comes down and asks if we have that number in our phones, and none of us do. So at this point, Aaron's just like, oh, it's just a, like a wrong, wrong number. Okay. Yeah, wrong number type of thing. A little while after, Nat gets a text from the same number. It says, yo, I'm outside. She replies, where are you? And then she gets a text back saying, Turn around. <gasps> we were all in the basement together, and clearly no one was behind her. How are you going to tell someone to turn around in a basement? So creepy. So we figured that someone was trying to prank us. Yeah, that, that's, that would be my next thing. Like, all right, somebody's yeah. fucking with you. Or they or they still think that they're texting the person that they're not texting. Oh, that's true. Like, they could, it could be a wrong number, and they still think they're talking to that person. And they're right outside talking to the person yeah, saying like, texting. It's like, you still haven't told them you're not that person. At around 1045... I now get the text that says, yo, I'm outside. So this person's just supposedly been outside for like hours. And bombing all these people up, like in the same room, same number. So now I'm really curious and I want to figure out what this person is. I text back, all right, I'm coming out. I promptly get a text back saying, I'm already inside. Fast forward to 1210. So this is now 2012. We're upstairs with everyone else watching the NBC New Year show. I decided to text this person. So he took the See, initiative. See, but the person had already left you alone. Like, why? Why? Yeah, it was now 12. You bombed them up from 10 o'clock again. I don't know why. Happy New Year. Love you, L-U-V, X-O-X-O. I did this just to get some sort of reaction, hoping they'd reveal themselves. But I got no reply. Until around 1 a.m. And I'm sitting on my friend's couch playing games on my phone. It said, I'm waiting by your car. I didn't think too much of it. I just texted back, what's my ni- my license plate number? Because, I mean, like, I like the way this person yeah. thinks because they're trying to challenge it and be like, right. well, let's see if this is legit. It took a few minutes to get a reply, which said, you drive a Honda, right? This is where he and I would differ. He writes, big deal. Lots of people drive I mean, like, I was about to say that it's probably one of the most po- – I mean, especially because we're from New York. It's one of the most popular cars. He could have just guessed – it's still a little bit creepy because you could also own a million other cars. but And not just that, too. How do four people in the same room not have a safe number, but that person has all of your numbers Because, saved? I mean, people can, can clone their numbers online. So I'm, I'm still thinking this is someone that knows them, knows they're together, and is fucking with them. That's a good point, too. Big deal. Lots of people drive Hondas. That's what he says last. Around 1.30, I'm putting my shoes on to leave, and I get another text. Mind you, this is a basement. I don't think there's like tons of light or right. ways people to look inside. The text reads, 
I'm ready to leave now, are you? As he's putting his shoes okay, on. Okay, no. Mm-mm. That's a little... No. Now I can't lie. This is what he says. That was a timely text, so I got a little rattled. A little? A little? I would have taken my shoes off and not left. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> Happy New Year. I'm staying at your apartment or house or your basement or whatever. Not getting in the Honda this person knows that I drive. But I put on my shoes and went out the door. I had to drop off Anthony and Nat. So he was responsible to drop off two other people. Then Anthony and Nat would have also been staying over because I'm not fucking leaving. (laughs) So we walked to my car. Good good they all went together. Yeah, not by yourself. And before going in, we checked the back seats and surrounding areas. Nothing in sight. So that was a good call. That's a good idea. Get into the car. So we get in the car. Here's where things get creepy. Oh, because they weren't creepy already? I'm creeped out enough, but sure, let's get creepier. Now, I would have made a three-point turn and drive out the way I came in, but I was too lazy to reverse. I drove straight, thinking that I knew the area well enough to make the proper turns to get out. I ended up making a right turn prematurely, and I quickly realized I made the wrong turn. My phone vibrated in my jacket pocket, and I got a text. You're going the wrong way. Somehow, with no car in sight, with no one in sight, this person saw he made a wrong turn. I was shook. I I stopped on the side of the road. I wasn't lost or anything. I'm in the suburbs after all. I just made the wrong turn. I stayed put until a couple cars passed me. So, like, he was just making sure, like, whomever whomever it could have been is now going past him at this point. I turned to the back seat and asked Nat or Anthony if they were playing around. And they said they had no idea what's going on. Because at this point, they were all getting the text at first. He's like, okay, one of you. This has to be one of you. Yeah, they were all getting the text at first, but now it's only him. So I try to put that behind me and continue driving. We came to a stop sign where we have to make a turn onto the main road. Anthony's house is on the left. I decided to turn right. As I'm driving, Anthony says, what the hell are you doing? I told him, I just want to see what happens. So like, he's kind of, again, this person's like testing to see what's going to go on. I drove about half a mile up and turned into an empty parking lot in a plaza, which is probably a kilometer, I'd say, for people. I do a big circle and come the way I came in. So at this point, he's just kind of like circling around. Right, doing something weird that somebody would notice if they were... Or if someone's following you, you would see them following right. you, being like, okay, I'm circling this person, circling. Obviously, it's this person texting me. Like, but, you know, that's not right. the case. I'm a little relieved at this point. Because no text obviously, came in. No text, no one's following them, nothing. So I pull out and head towards Anthony's house. My pocket vibrated again. Stop with the detours. I'm still here. I was shook. I turned off my phone and left it at that. Yeah, that's exactly what I would do because I need to get home and I'm never going to get home with this. Well, I thought this was smart too. I didn't drive all the way home. I asked if I could chill at Anthony's for a bit, but I ended up sleeping over. Exactly what you said. There you go. Because at this point now, the person or the whatever it is, is targeting him him for going. So why would you want to bring it back to your house? I kind of, I like that. What creeped me out was the timeliness of all these texts. But what sealed the deal was the punctuation and grammar. I know that sounds silly, but friend, my friends don't really text like that. And I know exactly what people he always means. know it's me because I don't abbreviate and I don't really I, I type in complete sentences with proper grammar when I text. So if I ever were to send certain text messages, they'd be like, this is not you. 
And not just that, you know, your the language that your friends speak. And like, it's just like, I watch too much serial killer stuff. But like anytime that there's any type of person who kills someone and then tries to act like them over the phone, one of the things that almost always gets it caught is the fact that they never know how to speak like the person that they just killed. And that's almost always when you when you speak to someone every day, I'm pretty sure by now that Christy would know if it's not me over a text message. Or when someone like used to like, I remember in the 80s when people would leave notes and like there'd be a suicide, but they didn't sound like the person. And they'd be like, this didn't sound people have like their so-and-so. Own, they have a way that they speak and they have a way that they text. Mm-hmm. So like, even though it's less personal because you don't see handwritings or anything I still would recognize if one of my friends was in distress because there's been times where even like I wasn't feeling well and Christy be like what's wrong you're not answering me the way you always answer me you just know your friends so Mm -hmm. that is it might sound stupid to some people but I totally understand what he's saying with that so edit just adding that my other friends who were out and about on New Year's Eve didn't get any messages so whomever this person is knew that me Nat and Anthony and Aaron were all together Edit two. I got the S3. I remember that phone. When it came out and I didn't want to carry the number over. But until then, I had the number on my phone on my phone for show and tell. I hated scrolling through my convos and seeing that number. People who I've told the story to always try to call the number, but they get a message saying the number doesn't exist. How does the number just not exist? How are you getting text messages from a, a number that you can't even call? I haven't dived too deep into this. On one hand, I felt that Something really bad could have happened if I kept probing it, and nothing has happened so far. But on the other hand, I don't have any closure, and sometimes I get paranoid about getting another message. Right. You never know when it's going to pop up again. And then edit three, because this person got so many responses, they had to keep answering. I just remembered that I do have my phone in my closet still. If you got serious skills, Liam Neeson and Taken type skills, shoot me a message. You know, there's a lot of like investigative people in social on social media. Someone might be able to find something. I'm sure he's gotten messages. That was yeah. 2012. I'm sure people have tried to but figure no that more out. Edits, but... And that kind of makes me like intrigued. Like, so nothing's happened in the last eight years. Yeah. The phantom texter just came in and out. And that was that. It's very so... creepy. I would have yeah, rather have definitely. found out it was like some stalker ex-girlfriend or something. So the next story comes from a site called Wattpad from user honeybunny00. And it's different from the last stories in that it this occurred to people in their own house. After reading this, I get the impression it's just a ghost who wants to party this shit year away too. Like I actually found this one not humorous, but like a little more lighthearted. Right. Okay. Based on a true story, New Year's Eve. It started at about dinner time when my boyfriend and I were cleaning up and getting ready to have people over. We kept losing things, then finding them right back in the same place a few minutes later, which is a ghost truck. That is yes, something that you they will do find. That. Mm-hmm. We thought we were just imagining it, but it kept happening over and over. It seemed like every time we needed something, it would disappear. After finally getting everything clean, my friend Carson arrived. He, my boyfriend, and I were sitting there watching TV, talking about nothing in particular, when my boyfriend said something and an unknown man's voice said, right, in return. Ew, no. So, like, imagine you're telling a story like, and like, right? you're like, isn't that crazy? And then someone just goes, right, out of nowhere. I'd be like, what no. the was that? The three of us were so confused and we looked everywhere to see if our roommate had come home, but no one was there. We told them about it later, and they told us that they had been hearing the same thing since the night of the eclipse. See? No eclipses! A while later, I went to the bathroom, and I heard a loud cough behind my ear as I was washing my hands. So now they're, uns- they're like an insanitary ghost that wants to like cough in your face? Like, ew. I think it's just like a way to get attention. All the hair on my neck stood up, and I ran out of there. Because like, a cough is a very distinct sound. You'll know that it's coming from a human. There's no... 
Right. There's no mistaking it. No one that was there believed me until the rest of our guests showed up. I was drinking after that, and so was everyone else except for the two designated drivers. One got there before the other, and they both said they heard a cough when they were in the bathroom. They didn't know I had heard it or that each other had heard it, so it's not hard to tell why everyone believed me after that. So, like, imagine you tell somebody that you're throwing a party, you're getting drunk, you're like, fuck it, I'm going to just forget about it. And then two sober people, the only two sober people in the entire party, come out and go, hey, weird shit just happened in the bathroom. And you didn't tell anyone else that happened, just the other two original roommates. I'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? Nothing has happened since, though. I'm getting worried about holidays and whatnot because it seems that's the only time anything really happens around here. Holidays are just like a trigger for ghosts, I guess. Yeah. I, I just To me, it just sounds like the ghost really did want to party with He just wanted to be part of the group. That's why, like, I've done that before where I'm not really a part of the conversation, but I wait to the end and I'm like, right? So I think he just wanted to be in on the combo. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So sometimes strange occurrences can be chalked up to having too much to drink or smoke, but Reddit use it Hellblazer310 claims that despite partying until around 2.30 a.m. on New Year's Eve, a not quite human creature they and a friend a friends encountered was very real. Something indescribable. Something we can only be labeled what we would call a zombie. You may think to yourself, wow, that person was wasted. Like the person like walking around that kind of looks zombie-like. But how can a person get wasted without a face? Let's get into this. You need a face to get wasted. I like that. <laughs> so the creature on New Year's Eve. I had a very strange thing occur to me in the late evening or early in the morning, if you prefer, on New Year's Eve. I had been out partying, drinking, and smoking a bit, as is customary, like being honest. At around 2.30, a few friends, I'll use nicknames for them, Mads, Tha, and Max, and I left the party we were at and headed back to our town. We had kept the roach of a blunt from the party, and we decided to pull in the resident parking lot outside the condo complex I lived to finish it off. Not two minutes after we spark it, a man comes stumbling down the road that runs through the parking area. This road, for reference sakes, runs through the parking area and down a hill a few houses. I know pretty much all the people who live down the small hill. The man didn't really perturb me or my friends, so we just kept smoking. Like, they were just like, okay, guy walking down the block, whatever. Then, a minute later, a high school girl wearing no shoes or socks and just a short, skimpy dress comes walking up the hill. At this point, I was starting to wonder what kind of weird party was going on at my neighbor's house. Like, it's like, yeah, you see one weird, weird looking dude, and then you see another chick with no shoes on. You're kind of like, what the fuck? Is everyone tripping? Like, what's happening? The girl walked through the parking area without a word and then turned onto the main street and headed up it. At first, we assumed we wouldn't bother worrying because despite her lack of shoes, she was walking straight and seemed to be keeping to herself. Then, that's when things got strange. After she had disappeared from sight up the street, she came bolting back as fast as she could given her shoeless situation. When she reached my friends and I, she slowed down, but she looked hella spooked. Mads asked her what had happened, and she stepped away from her at first. Then, with horror-stricken eyes, she pointed up to the main street. We all turned and looked, but there was nothing in our direct line of sight. Max and I decided we'd go to look up the street to investigate what was scaring this girl so much. We made sure Tha, Mads, and the girl got in Tha's car as she was the designated driver for the evening and locked it. So, like, basically, they put the girls in the car and were like, let's go check See, it out. See, that's where we differ. I would have just gotten in the car and left. Like, I, like, I'm sorry you're scared, but I'm not about to investigate it. Let's just go. Yeah. Max and I went up the main street, and for five minutes, we saw nothing. Then we passed under the one street light on the upper portion of the street. I just love the way he, like, describes right, this hill. Like, it's very dis- descriptive. And this is how I know it's someone sincerely believes this happened to them. The street light has a stubborn and nerve-wracking tendency to turn off at night once you pass under it. And I've gone through I've that gone before. I've gone through that, too. 
To my dismay, it turned off, leaving us in total darkness, except for the faint glow of a light at the end of someone's driveway. This light was very low to the ground. That's when we saw it. Something that looked like a naked person, but wasn't quite human, waddled down the street towards us. It moved as if it were half squatting, and because of this, its hand dragged along the ground as they hung limp at its sides. I couldn't make out its face, and Max told me later that he couldn't either. They couldn't see a face on this thing. They just saw this, like, corpse walking towards them, very slowly dragging their arms, like, under a very dim, dark place. It was also making a throaty, gurgling sound, as if it was choking on something. All we could do in the moment was turn and run as fast as we could down the street. I ran into my house, and Max ran to Thaw's car. I could hear the car screeching out of the parking area, so, like, he pulls it into his house, they all bounce. I locked the door and didn't even bother to look outside to see the thing was still coming down the street. So that was pretty much the end of the story, but I got super into it and started reading the comments because dude had so many, like people had so many questions about this and he responded to a few of the, he like chose a few questions and comments. One user asked if the creature zombie looking thing looked like something called an anthropagus, to which he replied, holy shit, yes, thank you for finding this. Did you Google what that is? Upon closer research, I found the anthropagus, I'm going to say anthropagus, is a mythological cannibal, especially in tales and fables. Vix, look at the thing he and three other people saw. Um, uh, so it it looks like it looks like a human man. Like it's 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 not really human, but there's a couple of different pictures of it. But in every single one, it looks like a body with no head, but the face is in like the chest area. So like. There's no head and there's really no face, but there's like something in like the torso area that's like looks like a face. Like the only thing I could think to describe it, if anyone was a fan of the 90s, all real monsters, there was a character called Crumb. Yeah, it looks like Crumb. Yeah, he kind of looks like that. But Crumb had more of a head. The arms are down. Yeah, like in this creature. I mean, we'll put the picture up for you guys. But if I saw this, I probably would have passed out. Yeah. Like, the fact that they just ran is insane because I would have been like, what the fuck? And then he describes, like, the gargly noise and it's just, like, the image just comes into my brain. One of the first pictures that popped up, because, like, there's so many of them. There's, like, different interpretations, but they all look similar. But then the very first picture that popped up when I saw it was eating what looked like a human. Like, it yeah, it looked like it was eating another human. But calling it a cannibal would mean that it was kind of human, too, so... And the only thing I wish that this person told about the story was what they got from the girl because they put her in the car. Right. So what was her side of Did the story? Did she just not say anything? I mean, she obviously saw it. What right. was she doing when it happened? How did she lose her shoes? Did it try to grab her? Like, what happened? Like, was it trying to eat her? What's I need to know the full story, but I also don't want to know the full story because I'm going to tell you that I just got really creeped out because as I'm looking at this picture, I got a text message from a number I don't recognize and I was like, ooh. Oh, but it was one of those things where we know when you shop somewhere and they start sending you discount codes to your your phone. That's what it was. But for a second, my heart just dropped into my asshole. It was not at least it's explainable. While it's pretty likely that your New Year's Eve could go awry in a number of ways, especially this year, whether it's you not doing your normal thing, whether you're upset that you're not going to see your friend or family member, or you actually go out and they're surging Uber prices, bad dates, a bad hangover, unmet expectations, you can now add Halloween-type creepy stuff to the reasons 
why it might just be better to stay home on New Year's Eve. Yeah, but apparently staying home isn't safe either because then you'll just start getting text messages from shit. I'm turning my phone off. It'll be all Christy's fault if nobody can reach me when the ball drops. You'll hear from us January 1st, everyone, okay? Don't take it personal. (laughs) That was awesome. Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Who Who does does that? that? Okay, on to our very last who does that of the season. I got it from HuffPost. It's not in Florida, and it happened on December 22nd, so holiday-related. The headline is, California man dressed as Santa gets stuck in power lines. Yes. And one of the reasons I loved it is because the picture is so fucking funny, and I know I probably shouldn't laugh at, like, but it's, like, legitimately a guy dressed as Santa in, like, a fake sleigh with, like, a blow-up reindeer. Like, it's really... So great. The unidentified man was flying around on a powered parachute on Sunday when he became entangled in power lines. So in Rio Linda, California, Santa found himself a little more tied up than usual this time of year. A Northern California man impersonating Santa Claus and flying on a powered parachute was rescued Sunday after he became entangled in power lines, authorities said. The incident happened shortly after the man took off near a school in Rio Linda to deliver candy canes to children in his community. He flew into a maze of power lines and wound up suspended in them, a Federal Aviation Administration spokesman told KCRA-TV. The man, who wasn't identified, was not injured. Video from the rescue shows the red, white, and blue aircraft dangling overhead overhead as Santa sat fastened to the pilot seat. Neighbors watched from the ground as crews worked. Colleen Bosleman, who lives nearby, said the pilot flies overhead often. Quote, he flies just around so people can see and flies around people's houses, she said. This was the first time he was in a Santa suit. Power was shut off during the rescue to about 200 customers in Rio Linda area, according to the Sacramento Metropolitan Fire District spokesman Chris Vestal. Quote, it's unfortunate, but we all need to remember that there's a lot of good out in the world and there are people doing good things and to look at the brightness of the holiday season. Quote, Vestal said. He said it didn't take long to rescue the costumed pilot and lower him to safety. Without a scratch and full of good cheer, we made sure old St. Nick will use his reindeer when he sees you later this year, the fire department said in a tweet after the incident. See, that's a little too cheery for me because I would have lost power two days or three days before Christmas. I would be mad. That is hilarious. (laughs) I know you think you can picture a big parachute with like a Santa in like a fake slate, but whatever you're picturing, this is worse. It's even funnier. And my whole thing is, Like, it was really funny, but I would honestly, if I was one of those 200 customers that lost power, I would be fucking pissed. Not just that, like, if he's done it before, then the kids have already seen him, so it's not like kids are going to be like, oh, it's Santa in a parachute. Like, I don't know. This sounds like someone just trying to get attention on social media. You know, you could have delivered candy canes on foot. I'm just saying. Yep, I think so too. Definitely. Like just put it in their mailbox. Just walk them on over. We really, really hope you enjoyed our last episode as much as we liked recording it. Like, subscribe, do the normal thing. Still continue to, you know, if you want to binge our episodes before the next season, continue to buy our merch to support us. We will be back, most importantly. Stay weird, Americas. Bye. Bye.